Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons and Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the DM. So come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-round good time that comes with this great activity. The cast is Eldrum, a male Asmar warlock with his pixie-familiar Sill. The affable Mick, who plays Calidus Magnus Lunior, a male elf-marked wizard. Saber, the binary gear-forged paladin, whose maker had a sense of humor when placing his soul gem. And the charming Oraki, hailing from the Kuru tribe of Dabu, a female Knoll cleric following a vision. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We're using the D&D 5e rule set and we game using the Fantasy Grounds virtual tabletop. So that's the cast. That's the campaign. Now, welcome to the show. Hello, good people of the interwebs. I must apologize for the first half of this episode as the recording does sound wonky and hollow. In this episode, the Grey Company must solve how to avoid becoming sand-touched when entering the River of Sand. Sister Withering gathers her troops. The infidels that have stolen the Grimalkin Eye will be found, and they will be punished. The Grey Company is hard-pressed to protect Calidus, who is intensely focused on modifying a water-breathing spell to sand-breathing. The Ashachian Gearford Saber succumbs to a wallop of a blow, and Oraki observes that for some creatures, one punch can mean death. What will the Chaotic Vrillstone do when using a spell scroll? You stand at the entrance to a round room, Ancient Nurian hieroglyphs cover the walls. A party member shouts, Check for traps! And you wonder how years of training as a paladin have served you to stand at the front of your party, tripping booby traps. Abdul Haq smiles at the terrible negotiation skills of one of your party members. He's agreed to supply armor, and so he sends a minion off to the Crimson Nib Armor franchise. What can that possibly mean? Recreate a familiar. Reconsecrate a holy symbol. Do you want to know more? Then sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy. Once again, I'm here with Mick. We are reviewing... You know what, Mick? Mick, I was thinking we should actually talk about one of the things... After the session, we were trying to make jokes because we went to the Crimson Nib fast food joint in the we, session. We did. And you were coming up with some names, and you know, Chucky Chicken or something like this. But uh, you settled on Crimson Nib Nibblers. And I was sitting there thinking, that is actually probably a good name for the podcast. Because <laughs> why not? And I mean, at the end of the day... All I really need to do with it is just, okay, here's the name. And I, I was originally th- trying to think, well, what's a good D&D name? For example, you look at Cobalt Press, Cobalt being a classic NPC yeah. and, you know, Press because 
blah, blah. And it's like, those, those are good. And some people like taking 20, uh, a very old phrase from, uh, I don't know, D&D 3, D&D 2, I don't know where it comes from. But a lot of the, the traditional names are related to some old creature or whatchamacallit from, from uh, the monster manuals that go way yeah. back. And I was just like, oh, that, that's been done. So maybe stick with our franchise idea. We were introduced Crimson Nib. Absolutely. And, and, and really, Crimson Nib, where quality is not an option. Yeah, let's go with that. You should see. For, so for my random encounter generators, I, I did that as well last night. I created the Crimson Nib armor. <laughs> and it's all 25% of cost. And you roll a, a 1D something plus something and how long it will last for. <laughs> and the same thing from the weapons, is they're 25% of, of regular player's handbook cost. And <laughs> Limited lifetime. Yeah, so, I mean, plate mail is usually 1,500 gold, which is quite yeah. expensive. And so, it, but the Crimson Nib armor, you're going to get it for 300 something. So it'll look good, but you'll, you'll take a couple of good whacks. <laughs> and his <laughs> armor class will rapidly drop from 17 <laughs> down to 3. Yeah, so I thought, you know, why not? Yeah, okay, I'll spend 300 bucks and take this for now if it's good for, you know, five battles or something like this, whatever. So, yeah, I thought, why not, you know, build up on that. And again, it's a short-term investment. Yes, if there's only one place you have to go, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, yeah. And so I didn't put them as any location specific on the map. I put them as on top of the map in plates so that you can just drag and drop. So there might be a store here, but right beside it, there's another bloody Crimson Nid weapon. And you're like, ah. Oh yes, this is. I mean, and that's the, the this is like petrol station yeah. wars where a petrol station opens on one corner, and you know, within a year or two's time, there's one on each corner, all battling for the same bunch of customers. Yeah. And fast food takeouts, you know, four on a corner. That's that's what they do. So, and this is what I did with the, with the fast food joint I, I created. There's the beef nibblers, there's the chicken nibblers, there's the vegan nibblers, and there's the special nibblers. And they're all something like, I don't know, I think I said they're five poppers or something like this. They're all really cheap. And the special nibblers, I, I, I said that if you eat special nibblers, there's going to be something that's going to happen. Yeah. So it's slightly yeah. more expensive, but it could be yeah. something good. It could be something bad. And, and the special nibblers, they actually take the, uh, the leftovers from the other three stores and just combine them together. Well, I was thinking about, you know, what, what do you do, right? Because it's, it's a fast food place and stuff like so that. They, so like, they all right? look authentically. That looks like a chicken dish, but they all strangely taste the same. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, I, I was just like, okay, so you've got the Crimson Nib Nibblers, yeah. uh, which will be the, the fast food joint. And then there's the armor, the weapons. And the only one that's classy out of all of them is Crimson Nib Magic. That's the only one that's... Yeah, the only thing that actually works. Well, it's the only classy one. right? Okay. But Because I, I was sitting there thinking, you know, what, what do you do with magic items that they're selling? And, well, you can't really you can't have them marked down. Because, I mean, I thought about it because I was like, all right, I got a, a sword plus one, but it's actually a sword plus one wild magic. You couldn't sell that and, and, and yeah. still be able to have an open business. Yeah, no, 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 it's okay. It's, they, they can have sort of the one thing that they do well, mm. and then everything else is just, it's just flaky. It's just flaky, and it's <laughs> yeah. rock bottom prices. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take four little great swords for, for a golden piece, sure. And we need a boat. It's only got to last for three days. And yeah. <laughs> it's starting to get into it. So there needs to be a random, there needs to be a random number generator that determines every time you go to use it, whether it's actually still alive or dead. Yeah. Well, and this is the thing too. So in our session, Elbrum, with you guys reaching level three, 
Elbrum has now is familiar. And originally he he wanted to have a fade type familiar, and so he was thinking of Sprite. I wanted to do a pixie, and a pixie is not properly a familiar. So what I did is I just took a pixie and I removed all of its neat abilities from yeah. from. So it's still it's a pixie, but it's look. I mean, it's got the abilities of a sprite. So what I also did was I found for that pixie some neat things that I, I want to do. But it's one of those things where because we are moving along slowly. I haven't had time to for her to play because Pixie like to do practical jokes. So I've got a random <laughs> table for that. Yeah, and then look, and the end of Pixie as as time goes by can perhaps gain some of the Pixie knowledge. Well, and the good thing too is Elbrum was like, I want to actually with my this is my familiar. I want to role play my familiar. And I was like, Well, are you going to do a voice? And he's like, Well, no, maybe later, but I'm not sure if I could do a voice for her. So I was like, Okay, but I, I was happy that. He wanted to role play his familiar, which I think is is good. And if he keeps it, you know, and it'd be one of those things, you know, if he keeps her alive and and she doesn't actually know she's a pixie, she could find out that she's adopted, and other things can her abilities could improve as time goes on. Yeah, based on what she. Does. Well, and that's what I was thinking too. Is that shall I allow this familiar? Because the idea with the familiar is that yes, they can die, but you can recast the spell and bring that essence of that familiar back into the same shape. And there's some people that even allow you that, okay, I want this creature to become my familiar. I want to cast a spell and they become my familiar. So clearly that means that that creature goes through some form of alteration in order for it to become your familiar. Because the idea is that if if your familiar dies, you can bring them back and they can either be a hawk, an owl, or whatever, right? I like that. I mean, why not? Allow him have, have the pixie, allow it to get slightly stronger as he gets to better levels, just potentially to add more flavor. So that's one side. That's the, that's the build a better familiar side. There, of course, was the other game that I played in the other day where I actually sacrificed my familiar yes. for the sake of the team, yeah. I should add. Yep. I left her entangled in the spider's web while we ran for our lives. Yep. Needless to say, on a spectacular roll of 20, she broke three from the web, blasted out of the mine, and then looked at me in a manner that would sort of turn you to stone before disappearing. Well, and this is the thing. So the question I have to ask is that when I recreate my familiar, is she likely to come back grumpier, given that I've attempted to sacrifice her to keep myself alive? Or do you think that she's going to come back sort of like nice and calm, without that element of revenge sitting in the back of her mind? You know, here's the thing, too, is with familiars, uh, I guess you, you have to check and see, because an owl familiar has, like, an intelligence score. I, I always thought in my mind is that when you made them into a familiar, they became smarter than what they really were, because yeah. they became, you look at the movies and stuff with cat familiars and mouse familiars and stuff, they tend to do stuff that those creatures would not normally do. Now, of course, that's just fiction, right? So... I mean, this is fiction too, so why wouldn't your familiar be smarter? So when it comes back, would it be angry? Vengeful, I think, is probably more than the case. Well, I mean, if, if, if you were like, if it was very fayish, I would say, yeah, I probably want to do some practical jokes on you. But as an owl, unless there's some, if you've given it more personality, I would say. She'll be, be coming back next Thursday. Yeah. 
Well, she'll come back Wednesday night, actually. Yeah. And then, yeah. But I don't think she likes me anymore. But you, you, you're, um, you got to stop going in my sessions because the last few sessions I've ran has, has certainly not been sessions where there's been any gold. No, I'm poor. I'm not doing well at all in your sessions. Yeah, I, I find um, if you're on sessions where you actually enter into something, like scout, scouting missions where you are going out to deal with the moles or something like this, you're sole hope of any kind of earning is based on the fact of do those gnolls carry any gold on them? Yeah. And and the the random individual treasure rolls that you get for, for those creatures is usually not very good. So you're not gonna what you really want is you want to be on going on missions where it's not specifically focused on stuff like that. You want to actually go out and try to discover new content because that's where yeah that's where you'll make the gold. Yeah. Well, or even this, like, at least the character virus is now going to sell that black pearl. I thought he was going to give it away. He wanted to give it to, to the other character, yeah. uh, who's a cleric, and he did, but they were like, well, the, the black pearl belongs to the shark god who's lawful evil, and his god is different. Can you reconsecrate it? And that, that question came up, can you reconsecrate a holy symbol? And the answer is, well, if... They were similar faiths. Like, for example, if you look at how some people will take a Christian holy symbol yeah. and then they'll use it in Islam, well, they're both Christian. So, although the religions might be different names, the faith behind it is still similar enough that reconsecrating it makes sense. Whereas, if you're going to say, oh, I'm going to take this holy cross that is for Jesus and now I'm going to go and worship Thor. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. They're they're just way Well, I've got got a holy symbol if he wants one. The holy symbol of Yeah, which I know nothing about. But as a player in that West Marches, I'm a dwarf of the god Gond and I play that up all the time. I play up a whole Gond this, Gond that. Now, I'm not from a paladin's point of view trying to shove it down their throat. But I use my holy power and, and throw Gon's name in there as much as I can, just, just That's for, what you do. for effect. But anyways, uh, getting back to what happened last session. So last session, you guys had, Calidus had finished converting a water breathing spell to a sand breathing spell and successfully managed to do that. And so uh, I let you get a sand and water breathing spell, which is level three. Transmutations or something like this, or evocations, whatever it is. So you've got them in, both in your spell book now. You, you rolled well, you spent the gold, and you, you got the arcana checks that you needed to make it happen. So you guys were, and of course, the while you were doing that, the last week before that was kind of a boring session for Calidus because he's just sitting there doing this work while everybody else was trying to protect you from anything untowards happening. And so this was the next day you'd finished, you were quite exhausted. You guys were close by to the refugee camp, so you headed back to the tent, you did a bit of this, you, you finally received your dark week. Actually, I have to say that the last few sessions have been pretty good in terms of you accomplished what you needed to do in the timely bits that were timely, and now you've had some time where three days have really passed quite quickly compared to yeah. previously. So time has progressed. I know for many, many sessions, you're like, I want my dark week closed. And we're like, oh, it's not arriving until Thursday. Well, now it's Thursday. 
and the bowl is coming. You've gotten your dark weave, the ball is, to, uh, is tomorrow, and so you guys go back and you uh, try to get, you use the sand breathing and you guys are working out how do we get down there. So you enter the river of sand. I, there, was, I, I, there was some good role play there. I, I like about figuring out, well, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? And what are we going to do with the ropes? Good teamwork. Yeah, some good teamwork. And uh, our new player, Oraki, who is the female mole, she's doing a great, good job because she, he, it, he is really trying to yes. role play her well. I'm, I'm, I'm still surprised that he chose a monstrous race, and yet when he chose, he chose to go female. Because I, I don't think he was aware that the female <coughs> moles are larger than the male moles. I, I don't think that was one reason why he chose that. So could have just been a random thing. He could have been. Yeah, he could have. Roll up some random character and hard uh, to say. Hard to say. Playing, this is what I'll do. He's been someone who has been not playing for 15 years, so this is his first time back, and certainly jumped in full feet. And yeah, as I was saying before, I mean his background that he wrote up outshone Calidus's background, which was a surprise. Yep, I didn't think way eight pages, pages was was quite a bit to go through. He was. Beating you by a couple of pieces uh, there. We're, we're just raising the bar as we go along. We're just setting you homework to do. Yeah. Yeah. To read our backgrounds. Yeah. But we did make it down to the entrance to the cave. Yes. And I actually, I was so interested. Like, I, I tried to be very, very careful as a DM about what, because I knew what this entrance was. And I don't think you guys have figured it out just yet what this is yet. Because, I mean, I haven't heard the words I was waiting to hear. So... I was really, really careful about everything that I said because I didn't want to give you guys any clues that you couldn't figure out yourselves. At the end of the session, you guys had encountered Abdul, and one of the things you guys were like, yeah, you need to provide us with a thief. <laughs> I had to laugh at that because you guys got down, you walked in there, and three of you had dark vision, one of you didn't. And you just walk right in, not checking for traps or anything. Or I think well, someone was like mentioned. It was, it was. I think, the, I think the comment was like, check for traps. And, then, and I think Saber responded with a, what me? With the trap. <laughs> yeah. And basically just, yeah, but yeah. Which was again, you look at that from a. I don't know what his, his stats are, but I'm imagining that his yeah. response was, yeah, uh, yeah, what me? Got on the trap, click, bang, and it's good night, Gracie. Yeah. That in itself was, that's role playing to a T, yeah. isn't it? You know. Well, and he was at the front to take yeah. whatever was going to get dished out. Given, given who we were, if if someone was going to get hit, and given that none of us would have been able to find it, yeah. we couldn't have found a, a trap in a pink fit. You put the strongest guy out there and hope yeah. he doesn't die. Yeah. So, and then, I mean, at the end of the day, yes, you guys triggered the trap, and you guys did. You did succeed on your, your dexterity save, so you only did take half damage, so nobody died. Yeah, nobody and, died. And I, I was really interested to see, would you guys be able to figure this out, how to get out of there? Because I, I only thought there was two ways. You managed to choose one way, and I, I got a kick when, when it was, was it Calidus that said, I'm going to push, or was it Elbrum? Elbrum, I think. And I was just looking said, at your guys' and stats, push. and I'm just like... We, we have oh, no my lord. Yeah. We, we <laughs> have it's like what what is the weakest character pushing for? Even <laughs> with help, it's still their weakest character doing that role. His modifiers were crap. But I think what we have now is we have a party 
We've got one guy who can fight, and everyone else is incredibly intelligent. So, mm. you know, when it comes to crossword puzzles, we are brilliant. We've got well, a nail. Or, or other than that, Oraki is, is fairly tough as well. Saber is clearly the toughest out of the guys. Oraki's pretty tough too. Uh, but yeah, you and Elbrum are certainly not the, the strength characters. No, we're not. We're no. And so that, that sort of leaves us with that, oh my god, we're on the outside. But you know, we did have, I mean, didn't look, and from our point of view, there were spell options that probably would have blown the, the, the rock out of the way. I, I think. And the, the difficulty with that was that, you know, in order to cast the spell, you sort of had to step back into the river so that you didn't get blown up with it as well. Well, and, and there was that when you actually cast the sand breathing thing, I didn't want to give too much clues away, but I was like, so, Kalis, you're going to cast the spell now. And I was, I was very curious to see if, if uh, Kalis was going to say anything about the real stone. And it was just almost like, oh, God, yes, the real stone. And you handed it to Elbro of the Hole. And I was sitting there thinking, okay, this is not, that wasn't really thinking it out. So you're casting a spell on the other players and yourself as well. And you've just given the Brillstone to someone else. So the magic is still touching all of these people, even though you're not the caster. So I was just like, okay, this is cool. So, and I was waiting to see if Elbrum hold on to it. And Elbrum didn't say anything. So roll the dice. And I was just like, nope, it's a positive result. So you passed it. So it was going to be so beneficial. And so all of a sudden now, although you guys get 24 hours of, of sand breathing, Elbrum gets an entire month. And there is, there is an issue here. And that is that, what time did we leap into the river yesterday? Oh, that was that it was shortly time. around lunchtime. Oh, lunchtime, yeah. yeah. So we we haven't we're running out of time. We have a time constraint. Twenty four hours is still good, but mm-hmm. if we're not out by lunchtime, the next day, that's the next day, the only person that will survive will be Elrond because he's got a month of sand. Yeah, that's true. And you guys, you guys still haven't actually found the main part of the sanctuary, so None. now you've gone to. Speak with Abdul Haq. Not willingly. Not willingly, but no, he, he has the second half of the riddle. He has, which he hasn't given us yet. We, in, in all of the negotiation, we I negotiated what we need, but we haven't actually got the second part of the riddle, and we have gone home without it. And so I will wake up in the morning going, okay, we will get his answer, and he is going to send his answer. We have demanded a, a, a series of items that we need. We need yeah. someone who can. The be these traps because yeah. otherwise we're yeah. pretty much doomed and hopefully someone can fight. He did, yeah. give us, he did have two wear crocodiles and he only gave us one. I thought that was a bit cheap. Mm. We've asked for some armour for one of our guys. We asked for, what else did we ask for? You, you wanted some armour, you wanted some, a thief and you wanted, oh, oh, a bag of holding. A bag of holding, yes, yeah. but because we may have to carry out more than yeah. we. So I... And I have to, I have to admit, I, I thought you role-played that brilliantly because uh, at the end of the day, you guys were like, God, I'm tired. Kalidus was exhausted. He spent the entire other 12 hours translating that spell. So he hasn't slept. So you guys, all right, screw this. We nearly died here. You head back to the, the refugee camp. And I'm sitting there thinking, hmm, what's going on? Because I know that Abdul's motivations, I know what he wants. So I was like, no, he's, he's going to be going to have a chit-chat with you guys. So he sent his goons over to wake you guys up. So you didn't get to your full nights of sleep, and you got no. a couple of goons. And you guys role-played that pretty well. I, I had to admit, I was just we, like... We, we did actually have a conversation when, when you went off to make a cup. So we had a conversation about how we would deal with this. And the, the background was that initially it was that we all go willingly. 
And my comment was, there's no way in the world that I would go willingly. I haven't slept for 24 hours. I'm grumpy. I'm going to go to bed, and I'm not going to care. And Elbrum was sort of, his thing was, yeah, but if they come into the into the tent, then I would just I would just go off at them mm. and say that's just not going to happen. So there was a bit of a, a, a debate about that. So we actually went for this passive resistance scenario yeah. where we would just yeah I was I had to be carried and yeah. Elbrum had to be handcuffed. Yeah. So it was pretty much that's what it came down to. Yeah. So, well, and, and it actually, and you're right, it, 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 it played out well. Yeah, and, and you, how you handled Abdul being prissy, and I was sitting there thinking, Abdul's going to be, how is he feeling about this? And I, in my mind, I know how he's feeling, I'm not going to reveal anything. So I, I was just like, you played out being the annoyed, tired person so well. I mean, I was actually, as a DM, playing Abdul, I was just like, these guys are real jerk. I'm not going to let this fly. <laughs> so it was, it was, it, it, it was, and, and, really, role playing. And, and it really was just a case of coming back to the everything you have to do, everything we've asked you to do is to in, increase the probability this thing's going to happen. Yeah. And we're not going to vote it with you. That's it, get over it. I don't think that Abdul's, there's any way in the world Abdul's going to give us everything that we need. We might get the bag of holding. I don't know that we're going to necessarily get the armor. Mm-hmm. And well, certainly, he certainly would send us, he, he, he would. Be foolish not to send us the feet because that's, if anything is going to destroy the outcome of this, it's going to be that we die. So, and the fact is, some, is some of he, us have to come back. You, you, clearly, <laughs> you clearly know that he, part of his motivation is he wants that treasure. Yeah, he does, yeah. yeah. And, and there's another giveaway too there that came along, and that was that when Elbram did have the debate with him and said, well, do you want the gold? Is that your motivation? And he said, yes, that's it. And then Elbram sort of went, Okay, we'll keep the good stuff. And I sort of went, oh no. Um, yeah. and, and of course that just then immediately opened up the alternative. So now Abdul is thinking there's, there's treasure and there's power. And there was something else too, um, like I had when you guys were doing some certain things that you said, I had some of you guys do some insight roles and I whispered certain things to some of you guys in yes. fantasy grounds. And so I didn't hear any of you guys bringing that up. And I wonder if you do because some of that stuff, like when I'm doing stuff like that, to me, those are things that give you, I mean, information is power. The more information you have, the yeah. more you guys are better able to handle your situation. But from, their point, but from their point of view, if they haven't brought it up, again, this comes back to the good role playing, yeah. is that they haven't brought it up, and it could be that they couldn't. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the scenario that they were in, there was no way they could have said that. They would yeah. have been overheard. Yeah. And therefore well, and, and here's a flaw for me, is that as the DM, I'm sitting there listening to these things, and I know when the, the Kell brothers, the two elves were playing, and we went and did that, that kind of side quest that was really about them delving into their back-end story, they didn't say something, and me, as the GM, I put my foot in my mouth, and I was like, you guys, Cassandra's your mom, did you not remember that's your mom? Yeah. Thinking that they completely forgotten that they said, my mother's... Cassandra, blah, blah, blah. I, I mean, I looked that up through Discord in some of our private conversations with the two of them previously to remember, because I had them identify someone who was mutually important to them and, and, and whatnot. And so they gave me a couple of character names. And so Cassandra is their mother and Dylvia as their trainer. So I was like, okay, I'm going to use those to develop their back-end story. And I, and I was like, did you guys forget? And they're like, oh, no, no, we, we, we're role-playing. We, we didn't want to say. I was like, oh, bugger. 
And it was a lot of things. When that came up, I looked at that and I thought, that just seemed to be bad role play. And now that they're not here, you can tell me. Was it good or bad? Because was it uh, I, I, of information? I they clearly had. What were they not sharing? I don't know. But it was the same thing the other day in the West Marches. We did. I did my Christmas West Marches yeah. campaign where the characters encountered Santa. And so one of the characters, Santa, was, at this point, we should remind you, is real. Yes. Along with the Easter Bunny, who lives in New Zealand. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, and it looks more like a kangaroo. But yeah, so. I had them find the naughty list and the paladin, who was someone from Europe, when they found, originally there was a, I don't know if he was a thief or whatnot, he was the one who found the list and brought it back and showed everybody else. And then the next morning, the paladin was getting an incredibly strong feeling towards this naughty list. And when, when that character looked at the naughty list, they then were able to see that, oh my God, this is Santa's list. And so I described it to them, and, and in a private message, I, I said stuff to them. Then we went back into the channel, and they started saying, I think it belongs to someone like this. And I thought, as a GM, I thought, oh my God, this person from Europe does not does know not who know. is Santa. Because the way they were role-playing it, and I was just like, I mean, you know who Santa is. like, uh, Mr. GM, I'm, I'm, I'm role-playing here. And I was just like... Oh, Christ, this stuck in my foot in my mouth again. But, but again, that's well, just it. But again, so if you excellent role-playing, but... In, I mean, if, you're, if you're given this piece of information that sort of is critical to the plot, I, I still get baffled by the fact that, and, and I was in that same game, why didn't he say, I've got Sanders' list? There was nothing... He never said, I've got Sanders' list of the naughty and nice kids. There was no upside to... No, not at all. There was no motivation for keeping that piece of information hidden. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I think they, they, what they, some of them were saying is that within my race, it's not Santa, it's something else. And I was just like, okay, I can understand where you're going there, but we're trying to common ground, like everybody's working together. I know, yes, you're all different races, but my problem is, is okay, when you're role-playing and you're using your normal, regular voice, I just don't know are you role-playing or not? Mm-hmm. That, that's one of my, an issue for me is that when people are role-playing and they really want to role-play a scenario, if they don't ch- change their voice, it's hard for me, are they in character or out of character with what they're trying to say? And so, yeah, I will be like, uh, you really don't know who Santa is? Because, and, and, and I mean, is it a possibility that someone on this planet doesn't know Santa? Yes, of course. Yeah. But it still goes back to the motivation of not, of not sharing a list. But yes, you yeah. discovered you discovered something, and you 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 read it. You know what it is, and you don't try and run. Yeah, and I mean they did try to bring it around in, in it was, some way. It was, it was eventually just, it was just eventually. the way that they were doing yeah. it. Yeah, it was eventually figured out. Yeah, but, yeah. That but yeah, I mean that's just it. Like at the end of the day, sometimes I do have a hard time. Are they role playing or not? And then I'll be, uh, I end up revealing something that oh, no, actually, I, I would. Ex- I'm expecting them to reveal with the information I've given them. Okay. And I don't think that that's, I don't, I mean, I know, I know where you're coming from, but at the end of the day, this is a game. Yeah. And if, if someone is given a piece of information that is fairly critical to what's going to happen, yeah. and then doesn't deliver it, the DM doesn't really have a choice but well, to actually let everybody know. And they, and they do it by either asking the direct question or saying, you know, Fred looks over your shoulder and realizes it's the Sanders and all yeah. nice, nice, yeah. that kind of thing. Well, and, and this is one of the things, like, I, I sit in there thinking, like, in a regular round, 
what is possible in a regular round. And, and that's why I think a lot of people are like, they don't say something because if we're in an encounter scenario, they're like, I, what can I, I have to wait till my turn to disseminate information. And reading that, that list that I gave you that someone else had put in there, it very clearly says that yeah. you can speak short phrases. Even when you it's know, not your it, turn. When it's not your turn. And I have no problem with that because I'm sitting there thinking around the six seconds and all of this stuff is not sequential because if it was sequential, there's no way this would be six seconds. So a lot of this stuff is happening in parallel. So would you be shouting at each other? And an encounter, and, and right you would. And interestingly, because we've had lots of conversations about using tactics, when we look at the, the spider encounter that occurred the other day, yeah. when we pulled back from where the spiders we thought were going to come from, three of us ended up making the three sides of us, if you consider a, a square to be made up with four smaller yeah. squares. Yeah. Three of us made a square, and one of us was further away. Had yeah. we yelled out, had I yelled out at the time we were pulling back, form a square, and again, assuming they understood it, yep. the four of us would have been standing essentially back to back, yep. and that would have meant that when the spider hit us, we would have had a much better chance of survival, because we would have been all in contact with it. Yep. Whereas in that particular scenario, one guy was standing under the spider, yep. going away at it, and the rest of us were miles away from him. So there you have it. You've just listened to what rescued audio sounds like. Quite hollow. You can say that this is a testament for the gear used in recording a podcast. Please, make sure that you have a device, a mixer, or an audio interface that will allow you to listen in real time to the recording you're making and thereby correct bad audio. Or, you could record 30 minutes of audio before realizing that your crappy microphone has compressed everything into 10 minutes. Not fun trying to decompress and make things sound good after the fact. Anyway, let's return to the regular broadcast and find out what happens next. Okay, we go to the Abdul Huck scenario. So we've negotiated the, uh, we hope we've negotiated a successful deal. And we are now, have gone back to our attempt to get the rest that we deserve. We hope that we've got some equipment that we need. Uh, we hope that we're going to have a crocodile to help us out so we're not going to get trapped again. We have failed a couple of things. We have failed to get our hands on the other half of the palm. And if that doesn't come tomorrow, we're doomed. And the second thing that's going to happen is that we will run out of time tomorrow. The spell that we have cast will only last until midday. If we're not in and out by midday and we step in the river, we're going to die. So there are two issues that we've, that we've got. We didn't ask you for another spell scroll in case it went wrong. And our only option, of course, then means that if we do run out of time, is that uh, Calidus is going to have to attempt to cast a higher level spell, higher level spell, yeah. and he can. Well, and he can't, and, and there's nothing... Well, the rules are is that you, you can't, unless it's on a scroll. But the good thing is, is that you have already done a transmutation of water breathing into sand. It does mean now that any water breathing spell, as long as it's water breathing, if you found the spell scroll for it and it's still a level three water breathing and not a level four water breathing, you're going to be fine. You'll be able to convert I thought, it. To I sand. thought there was a way that you could cast a spell outside your level, but there was a probability that it would fail. Yeah, well, th this, is just it. Th this is exactly what it is is you are casting from a scroll. And so as long as you're a spell caster and this is a wizard spell, 
or if it's a cleric and a cleric's got a scroll and he can cast it, cast his cleric. We don't have a scroll. You don't have to have. If you don't have a scroll, then you're you're at yeah, you're at. You, okay. need, you need the scroll. Okay. So and if case, you fail the scroll, wild yeah. magic could occur. Yeah. So in that case, we if we're not out by twelve tomorrow, we're doomed. Yeah. So on the whole, we're not looking particularly flash for tomorrow. At the end of the day, the, the question is going to be that where do you need to dig, and is is it going to be a place that's going to require it? My personal out of character here would be is that. If it was something that was above the river of sand level, yeah, it would have been discovered. I mean, this is a bustling city house yes. and people, some idiots and urchins, they do, I mean, from what you've learned, people do do the river of sand diving, taking the risk yeah. of, and, and, and the funny thing is, is there's, uh, you know, there is one character. I don't know if I mentioned to you guys in session or, or perhaps in the role-playing discord channel, but. There is one city official who fell into the river of sand and he is, he, he was affected. Didn't hear that one. No, you didn't. Okay. No, so didn't hear that, one. that would have been common knowledge. So it's it, that, you know, that I'm saying now is not going to affect anything. It's just one of the things that probably at some point would have meant to be, this is a common knowledge thing. You need to know about this character. But we do but, we do know that Rahid has been diving in the sand anyway, and then well, no, no, Rahid wasn't diving Rahid. in the sand. Rahid was just searching around the pit. The person who the other thief who was doing the the river of sand diving, oh, was the, the one who brought up the idol yes. or the eye which Rahid found, he ended up dying from the river of sand. Yeah, but we do know that it is possible to do it because yes. he done it before. Yeah. So, and I have to admit, you guys have with, and I haven't been fudging roles. At one point, when we were playing with the other group, I did fudge roles because there was some I think bad, you had to yeah, with that lot, just we just had to, especially with the the tabaxi that just kept making life difficult for everybody. Yeah, but this time I haven't. And so, for example, when Elbrum decided that he was going to swim out, a he was fighting the current, so I had him roll against that and managed to do what he needed to do and B I had him roll a dexterity as well to make sure that he didn't get sand mm. into orifices that it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be because it. then there would be another, yeah. another thing that could possibly happen. So, yeah, I mean, all in all, like I, I have to admit like this group is um, a lot smarter in terms of just using common sense, really. They are. And, and again, really the, the, the saber actually triggered the trap demonstrates their, their ability to play. Yeah. There, there was really no no option. Had, it, it, had that hit anyone else, they would probably be dead. And I mean, there's something to be said too about really making the effort to, as a GM, be quiet. Try not to give away certain things. Let, give you guys the opportunity to try to figure it out. And mm -hmm. There were certainly some cases where I was sitting there in that session where uh, I, I, I had to be like, well, give me a history check to see if you remember, because there are certain things you guys, I expected you to remember, but you guys clearly and, didn't. And, and I again, I, I mean, I look at it from the, the exhaustion point of view. And, and this is the first time I've ever actually played anyone who's been exhausted. And I doubt if many people realise the impact of exhaustion, that everything that you seem to do has got disadvantage to it. Yeah, it means well, that you fail miserably. I look at the wall, and what do I see? I see a wall, yeah. and then I fall asleep. Um, yeah. Exhaustion is unbelievably debilitating. Yeah, 
disadvantage. And I was really shocked at when we were doing the West Marches and those, the two characters who had been played within eight hours. So they had one level of exhaustion on them and they were willing to do that because, and I was sitting there thinking, your guys are going by sea. And I, I was really excited that you're going by sea because it would allow you to get 48 miles in yeah. the day. And I was like, if there's going to be encounters, there's because I've got a roll on every hex yeah. and they're going to be exhausted. So it was really interesting to see. And they were, and of course they, with disadvantage, they clearly hope to have taken care of that scenario a lot quicker, but yeah, it is, it is something, it is very something that you just, yeah. And, and I hate to think what happens at second level of exhaustion. Well, Var Varus, I mean, did a good job, you know, playing it up. Oh, I'm going to cast burning hands, critical one because of his exhaustion. Yeah. So you got a critical fail and it was a critical fail where you injure yourself and you're blinded. So he drives burning hands and he burns himself and he's blinded. Yeah, yeah that's... But yeah, it, it does. It's it's very, very debilitating. When you're exhausted, you really want... I don't understand why people would want to come into a roleplay session knowing that, okay, I'm going to join another really quick, but I'm going to be exhausted. I, I think in their mind, they're thinking, oh, I'm just going to walk three hexes. I mean, normally we never encounter anything and I'll get my, my night's sleep and it'll be okay. I, the I, I spoke to the DMs about that. The way too hot. Well, I, I, I spoke to the DMs. I was like, can we not say that if a person is wanting to play, because we've gotten enough people now in West Marches that if someone is playing, you know, two games within eight hours, it shouldn't be just exhaustion until the first long rest. It should be exhaustion for the entire session. But yeah, I mean, that's how I would play. I would yeah. look at it from that point of view. But they're, they're like, it, oh, it, you shouldn't be because doing of certain things that are so negative to the, the players. And I was just like, and the we, other thing too is that the other players, like if you were, <clears throat> you wouldn't take someone like that. You wouldn't, as a party, if someone was exhausted, unless there was a really strong reason to take them, you wouldn't take them. But this is one you, of those you cases. You know that they would drag you down. And this is one of those cases though, like like you're saying, like in, in, in the West Marches scenario, where at the end of the day, me as the GM, when I look at the people who signed up, I, I was so happy. I had 13 people signed up. I was able to go, I'm going to try to make a balanced party for the first time. So yeah. I chose people to make a balanced party. I did not at any point look to see if any of those guys have played in another scenario. But as my intro to the session, I was like, if you yeah. guys have played within the last eight hours, you have to put an exhaustion on. And then two of them were like, oh, yeah, I, I did. And I was sitting there thinking, yeah, you know what you were saying before? If, if there was some, if the bot was able to check for the GM to say these guys have done this, I would actually factor that into my choice. I don't want to make the extra effort to go and find out if they've played in another session because that's just and an extra thing, bit of work that other, I don't want. And the other thing happens that is that the other members who aren't exhausted are going to take a hit for these guys. Yes. And so, and there is no functionality that says, oh, sorry, you can't come. Mm. If in, in, in a normal environment, the, the people that aren't exhausted would turn around and say, sorry, not going. Yeah, and they would just say, "No, I'm not going to go." Well, and that's, that, that's something, and, and too. That, that option doesn't come up. I, I guess it does come up. I suppose in the context of the West Marches yeah. games, where there are reserves sitting around, yeah. then it can come up. But it, it's it's almost yeah. Again, if you were a general in an army, you would you would never send out uh, people who are exhausted. But yeah, and, and, and unless you have, I mean, either the players are checking to see if the other players have played, or the GM is checking, and it's just a lot of extra admin work and. All things said and done, but ignoring the, the, that bit, what I really enjoyed with the West Marches thing that went well was that 
you guys encountered those in the water, the, the yes. Sahubins, however you pronounce that, probably very clearly pronouncing it wrong. And then you encountered the face fighters. And what I liked about both of them was that when the Sahubins were in the water, they were diving under the surface. And when they're under the surface, I was waiting for you to say, I'm going to send up the owl to see if I can spot them. Because I figured the owl should be able to see through what? Because like eagles and stuff like that, he did, they no, can he, see. He, he did it one stage. Yeah, he, he did, did it one stage at the very end. And he did spot yes. them. He did yes, spot them. at the very end when there was just um, the one left. But then again, it was a, he sees that there's one there, but. What do you do? What do you shoot do? Through the surface? You shoot at the water and hope that it's going to hit. Yeah. And you know, that would be a, yeah. a minus five, wouldn't it? I mean. And actually, you know, that's another thing too that I, I, I completely ignore is the, the ranged characters who you're firing arrows and crossbow bolts. How are they replenishing their supplies? It's something I didn't even really think of in terms of are people there is, spying there is, there is. arrows or are, are they doing the due diligence or are they just... Because from a character sheet point of view, you could just walk yeah, into a did, session and just go, like, pull up again. You did say in one of your earlier sessions that the the default position was that for every two that you shoot, you can recover one Yeah. if there's a dead body. Yeah. And I've been applying that. Yeah, but I am now down to I think ten out mm. of the twenty that I started with. I honestly, and that's this is just one of those things by recovering the half. In those sessions, you, you just have to, like, in a regular campaign, your guys' characters <clears> are there. <throat> I can readily look. Yep. So you guys need to say, I pick up my backpack, I, I go and collect this or go and collect that, because like right now, the last time, I, I just can't wait for Elvin to say, I'm going to throw my dagger, and I'm going to be like, what daggers? You threw well, them before and you didn't collect them. Yeah. I keep putting green. I, I keep putting circles around. I'm yeah. saying, there's my circle. What's yeah. that circle? Oh, that's where I've dropped everything. I've got to go back and get it. Yeah. And I, no one else. And it's interesting that in the West Marches games, they all have to be doing that, but no one else is marking where their stuff is. Yeah. And so, and so when the whole thing sort of unravels, I mean, and again, you get the the scenario of someone circled around behind you, and you've dropped your backpack, and it's forty feet away, and the guy comes charging towards you and falls over your backpack. There's well, Multiple and, options there. He could either pick it up and run away with it or he can trip over it as he comes towards you. And, and this is where, in a West Marches style, the GMs have to be real dicks and be like, you did not say it, so you did not pick it up. It didn't, it didn't happen. You are walking back to town with your sword and your shield, and that's it. Yeah, you right. have to remember to say that specifically because it's not really fair. And, and, and this is really, I mean, the thing too is like, how do you police the things like ammunition? In a big thing like this, do you, like, I, I know yeah. asking, are you, did you play, take a level of exhaustion then, is one thing to say, but do, do you have to say at the beginning you, of a session, hey, have you guys used arrows because your, have you replenished your arrow supply? Because if you are just clicking it up, that's just not right. No. And then when you think about the number of arrows that you get uh, and how many, and I thought about it the other day and I thought, the first time I lost four and thought, yeah. I was like, I can put back two and then I've been watching it go up and I'm thinking, it actually doesn't climb that fast. So to actually replenish the stuff that you need. And while the last three West Marches games that I've played in, they've generated a pathetically low amount of money. Yeah. I still generate the 10 I need to generate the familiar the day before well, we go out and I still generate enough cash to buy arrows. I, where I had this, <clears> when you guys were in the between the two lands actually yeah i know for sure yeah. i did that i, I have my well, my random encounter tables that i was rolling as long as you're going on there you were getting a possible water random encounter and at the same time 
I wanted, I really wanted you guys to see a caravan going down the coastline, but it didn't roll. And it was an option. There was actually a higher percentage to see a caravan because I was really curious, what would you guys do? And I have some interesting things that could be encountered with those goblin caravans. So not the least of which is finding all the eagle eggs. Well, that, that never would have even been an option, but because you encountered the eagles, I was just like, well, how do I make this interesting? Ah, sure. The goblin stole some eagle eggs. Mm. And I was sitting there thinking, maybe it's part of the recipe. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so at the end of the day, I think that the, the lesson here for me is uh, as a GM, really be getting on top of when are the people in the role play moment and being aware of that and, and not putting information out there just like that. And, the, I mean, and let one, the players figure stuff out. And one way of doing it is saying that unless you preface, preface something with out of character, you're in character and yeah. when you step out of line, when you say something that you shouldn't say, that everybody I'm just going to keep nailing you yeah. on it. You yeah. can't say that, you can't say that, you can't say or that. Or not, not just that you can't say that, I'll just be like, so you, you just told the NPCs and they will react accordingly. Yeah. You've either got to have a voice or you've got to say it's out of character. And I think a lot of people would get to the stage of, of, of going, I, I would imagine a lot of people get to the stage if you kept, if, at the end of a session, if you kept saying, pulling them up on the out of character stuff, they would eventually get fed up with saying out of character and they would just stay in character because it's easier. Yeah, and I mean, just it, use their it's, normal it's, voice. it doesn't take, like when you guys were with Mistress Henna and you guys were doing shopping, you're like, yeah, Hannah, you stay outside here. We need, we're just going to go into the change room together. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, what? Yeah, that's going to happen. Then you guys are having stuff. Or when I was going and getting the drink and you said, you guys were like, well, let's go to a private channel. I think that's brilliant from the point of view of let's have a discussion that the DM can't hear, you know, without the assumption of say, we're having a discussion and, and the DM can hear in the background, but it's not going to react to it. There's certain something to be said about being able to go and have those private conversations and then all right people react like for for me i love well, well, pa, pa, the, the, the the trigger the trigger for me saying let's go into a separate channel was that it was really clear that i wanted to do something and he wanted to do something else and we at that point in time collectively think you're out there building a map and populating it with creatures which is a lot of effort for you to do yeah. and the first thing when we came back was all and said don't go to too much effort about building a, building a map about what's going on. That was because we yeah, preached yeah, it. Yeah. That is really one way of doing this out of character stuff. And that is to say that if you're in the voice channel, you're in character. If you want to do anything out of character, you've got to go to another channel. To do or, or do the text chat. Text or, chatting. Because to be honest, I don't, when I'm GMing, I do not look at the text chat. If someone tries to do an app mention to me in Discord, I will ignore it. Because I'm focused strictly on what I'm seeing in Fantasy Grounds. I'm focused on the chat channel in Fantasy Grounds. That's yeah. it. Anything outside of that, I'm just yeah, obtuse. I, I don't, and I think that's perfectly reasonable. I don't, I don't see any way that you are. I, I, I guys, actually don't think that you should. Like I, I don't understand guys, how people can actually talk oh, man, in the chat I just, channel. I don't get it either. While they're playing. I, I was sitting there looking and one character was having another conversation with someone else. At the time we were having the session, I was just like, how, how can you do you freaking on multitask like that? But I, I, I was going to say one more thing that I thought worked out really brilliantly in the terms of in-character, out-of-character was when we did that encounter with the goblins, and I did, I mean, the goblins didn't speak common, or at least they didn't want to speak common, so they kept yes. talking in goblin all the time, and I love that Flint was always like, 
What did they say? What did they say? What did they say? And to me, that's in turns. I know a lot of people were like, man, it's not your turn. And it's just like, does not matter. It's a simple thing. I think that from the, what I learned from that is that I will do that more and more often now. And if someone is going to be doing the translating, what I will say is that the Flint and the other person, when it comes down, because you guys are having a conversation, you will miss your turns because you do need to know. If I'm sitting there and there's a conversation going on and it could to- completely change the face of the battle, I'll be like, yeah, you guys fight because at the moment, I don't know what's going on here. So I'm not, I'm not fighting for some reason that I don't understand. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, and again, and, uh, you're right. If, if it's, it does come down to that, that piece that you, you sent me and that is that you can have a, you can yell out something. Yes. You can't yell out a paragraph. You can That's yell right. out a, what did they say? Or you can yell out a, where is it? Or a, come here or a duck. Yeah. Something All that of those really things you can like do. Six seconds. But you can't, you can't have a discussion. Yeah. You can't have a discussion like, so what did they say? And if the answer comes back, he said that we should go around the back and climb the hill and attack the country over there and then move to South Australia and become Venezuelan. You just go like, yeah, that's not going to happen. That, that is it. Sounds like someone's invested in their, what they're doing over there. I think that is anyway, probably a good moment to say um, that was we'll it. have we did, to pause this session. And we did spend a lot of time talking about two different games there. So for those of you that are confused, we are currently participating you know, in numerous different games. And that's we why we keep talking about things that and the thing is, be completely is, irrelevant. When we, when, about these conversations, one thing is to talk about the session. But at the same time, what I like is that we're talking about something that we love and... There's emotional investments in, in both sides that are worthy of conversation points. So mm. realistically, this is just us talking about the games that we're, we're involved in, that we're enjoying. And so if it seems discombobulated yeah. and stuff like that, okay, it will be. But the idea is, is this is a conversation we think might be interesting to other people as well. We hope so. All right. Until next time.